I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy and host of the Live Healthy podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Spencer Lodge, a Dubai-based author, entrepreneur, investor, and all-around very successful person who spends a lot of his time helping other people figure out how to be that way too through his Make It Happen University. And on more than 100 episodes of the Spencer Lodge podcast, he's talked about business and motivation, but also tackling some of the most important issues of our time, including AI, human trafficking, and cryptocurrency. We talk about the importance of having healthy financial as well as fitness habits, and so much more. Hi there, Spencer. Hello, how you doing? I'm very good. It's nice to see you. I I first saw you on a billboard. Um, I've lived here for a long time, but in Abu Dhabi. So I was in Dubai and I saw a billboard a couple of years ago and I was like, who is this guy? And then I've been wanting to interview you for a long time, but I've never really had a reason. Then I, you're, you're dipping your toe into TikTok. I'm in TikTok and I saw a really great video you did. And I thought I can talk to him for Live Healthy because he's talking all about dumb things people do financially. And I think that translates really well into your overall mental and physical health. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you talk about, you know, relationships, one of the main causes of divorce is money. So that affects people. One of the main causes of depression is money. One of the main causes of suicide in men between the age of 45 and 50 is not, not achieving what they had set out to achieve in the beginning and feeling that they've failed. And generally that, that's related to career success, which relates to money. And so, yeah, finances have a, a huge impact on our personal well-being and health. Now, the video I saw that made me think, okay, I'm going to talk to him. It was just a simple, I like TikTok's always simple. Although you can do three minutes now, which is interesting. Have you done any three minute ones? Yes, um, I was contacted by TikTok some time ago about educational content and that's why they wanted the three minute stuff. Okay. Um, you, did a, you did a short video about the dumb things that you do with your money. One of them was financing cars. And that's what sort of stopped me because not only do people think I'll just finance this car? You can finance anything now. You buy anything online and it gives you the little option to finance it. What, what particularly about this bothers you? Do you think people need to change? I don't think it's, I think it's financing cars. I think it's, it's looking at spending money on stuff you don't need. When you, when you, you know, you buy a house, typically you get a mortgage and interest rates are incredibly low at the moment. So buying a house with a low interest rate on a mortgage is, is attractive, but do we really need to go and buy the, you know, the next best car? Do we need to buy that, I don't know, that BMW, that Mercedes, that Audi, that Porsche, whatever it is, and, and live beyond our means in essence? You know, my, my belief is if you can't afford to buy it cash and you shouldn't probably be buying it, um, but also cars are depreciating assets. They can go down in value. And I know there'll be some people listening, going, well, classic cars aren't if you buy a, an antique Ferrari and store it in a garage for 50 years. I, I can't get that. But most people drive their cars to and from work every day to pick the kids up from school and stuff. So when you spend a load of money on something and it's going down in value, all that is is a cost to you. And, and you know, for what? Now, we all know we all love the feeling of a new car. Every one of us has ever bought a new car, loves the smell. I mean, millions of dollars are paid by the, the car companies to make a car smell great inside when we buy it. But how does a new car feel six weeks after buying it? It just feels like a car, just like any car. And so that kind of like buzz and that excitement that you get from the new car is then dead. And, but you still spent all that money and you're now committed to two, three, four, five years worth of finance payments 
just to pay for that feeling that lasted six weeks, which to me is nuts. Mm -hmm. And then you get the stressed out feeling after when you realize you couldn't actually afford it. And you also talked about brand names, Chanel, Louis Vuitton. We live in this land and people will also argue those are good investments. I have friends who have financial problems who will say, but this will hold its value. This purse is a classic. I'll have it forever. Yeah, what's that? The, the Birkin bag, you know, I'm sure if you buy a Birkin bag and you store it in a hermetically sealed chamber uh, and don't ever use it or touch it, I'm sure it will go up in value. But, you know, when you're spending ten, twenty thousand $20,000 on a handbag, um, that's fair enough. It's part of your investment strategy. But again, most people, it's not. It's I want the latest designer Chanel, Louis Vuitton, whatever it may be, handbag. And, uh, and then it gets shown to people, you know, who are you trying to impress? That's what always baffles me. Who are you trying to impress? Would you rather have these things and not have um, financial independence? Or would you rather have financial independence and maybe not have those things along the way? And I think we just need to get our priorities right because most people don't because we're comparing ourselves to others. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And again, we're going for that same here. What's it like when you buy that handbag? You know, it's $5,000, it's Chanel. And you're like, ooh, it's a great handbag. I love it, I love it, I love it. And then it's just a handbag. Yes. Yes. Were you, did you have this though? Did, were you ever, because so many people are not realizing that they're living for other people. And then the source of their discontent is the fact that they don't really know who they are or what they stand for. The financial independence movement has been so amazing to see people just say, I don't care. I'm going to drive this car into the ground because that means that, <laughs> you know, 20 years from now, even 10 years from now, but did, were you ever like this? Like, did you ever make this shift? Do you have any advice for people how to do it? Yeah. Oh, I made all the stupid decisions as well. So I've had all of the expensive cars. I've had all of the expensive this and that. And I don't know whether it comes from a bit of maturity or a realization or, or you know, an acknowledgement of the people that you spend time with. Um, I, but, but again, you know, I was very fortunate. I, I was earning a lot of money from a young age. And so I was able to afford these types of things. But, you know, being financially independent myself, I, I still to this day, I, I don't get why I ever did. And, you know, when I did make that shift, it was almost like it was a release. It was a release of not caring about what other people thought, what other people did. You know, I've got a car. My car, we were talking about it the other day, it's, you know, eight years old. And my dad was like, your car's eight years old. You've never had a car for more than like six months. What happened here? You got an eight-year-old car. And I'm like, well, it's not quite eight years old, but dad, you know what? It's got 150,000 kilometers on it. And you know, I think I can run it for another five years. And he's like, do it. He said, because then it will be worth buying it all those years ago. But again, it's not what people do. They don't buy the car and then keep it. They buy it and then they finance it. And then before the finance is ended, they refinance another car. And all they're worried about is their monthly payments. And it's like monthly payments, not monthly investment, monthly payment, just like paying tax, just like paying debts. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting when you think that there's uh, this whole circle of people impressing people, impressing people, impressing people, impressing people ending up in financial misery. And then can you just talk to me a little bit about the fruit, the true freedom that comes when you're not terrified to lose your job because you have money in the bank. Like you're not sitting on the precipice of it all falling apart because you've created this foundation for yourself. 
But first things first, money in the bank is a really bad thing as well, because the money in the banks, it's at less than 1% interest with 3% inflation means it's going down in value. So let's take it away from money in the bank to money invested working for you. When you have enough money providing income for you, whether that's invested in a, um, a bunch of properties that are providing uh, a rental income for you, whether that's equities that are providing a dividend for you, whatever the investment may be, it gives you a huge amount of freedom to decide what you want to do and where. So most people get four weeks holiday or five weeks holiday from their employer per year. If they lost the job, the thought of it would be terrifying because what would they do? How would they cover their bills? And most people are in jobs they're unhappy with anyway. When you can get up every day and you can decide what you're going to do that day, you know, last, last week I was in France, in Paris and in Monaco. Um, I'm in Cyprus in a couple of weeks time. I'm climbing a mountain a couple of weeks after that. I've got the freedom to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. And I've had that freedom for probably, what am I, 51 now, 11, maybe maybe 12 years. I've had the freedom to be able to do that. And it's very liberating because you're not controlled by anyone or anything. Nobody owns you. No employer owns you. No salary owns you. Nothing. And so you get yourself into a state mentally where earning money becomes, outside of your investments, becomes fun because you focus on projects that you have a real connection with emotionally, psychologically, and, and not only do you feel you can add value, you feel that you're serving something that's, that, that's either bigger than you or has great meaning to you. And what about people who say, because I have friends who say this who are younger than I am, I, like it's, I, I can't, I can't, I just can't start. I, I don't have enough money to start. There's, there's something called subconscious spend. So if you sit down with a notepad and write down what all of your liabilities were, so you take your salary every month and then you deduct from your salary, I don't know, your rent, you know, your mortgage, your, your, your loan payments, whatever it is, your credit card payments, your um, uh, various outgoings on a fixed monthly basis, your electricity, your gas, et cetera. Then, then people think that's what's left over. But the reality is most people are spending money. They don't even realize they're spending. Now, I come from a world where we used to we used to live on cash. And so cash was where you had to take it in your wallet and you had to pay somebody. And every time you took that cash out of your wallet, there was this crisp 20, 50 pound note, whatever it was, and you'd have to give it to somebody. And there was almost an element of pain of it. But also at the end of the day, the end of the night, the end of the week, you'd see how much cash you had left. With credit cards, charge cards and, and online banking, people are able to spend money without acknowledging the spending of that money. You know, you, you take simple things like people popping into Starbucks every day for a, 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 an extra hot latte and a pano chocolat. Well, you know, before you know it, you've got $10 spent there before you've even done it. Well, $10 times five days a week is $50 times four weeks a month is $200. It's just gone like that. You haven't even thought about it. So a lot of people that say, I can't do it, it's because they don't realize what they're actually spending the money on. You know, do you really, really need that Starbucks and that pan au chocolat? Or can you get a flask and, uh, or a coffee cup that screws the top and put a coffee in your car that way um, that you make from home by boiling the kettle or turning the coffee machine on? I, I think you can. You know, there's, there's, there's no argument on the planet that says you should buy a pan au chocolat every day or a croissant. You know, there's no, there's no personal trainer that will listen to this or people that are worried about their physical health that will ever advise upon that. So do you need those things? You know, you know, you got a subscription to a magazine. Do you really need it? Another thing people have a huge amount of money going out is subscriptions to online mm. um, 
duties and purchases, $2.99 here, $3.99 there, $6.99 there. You know, all this stuff that's going out every month. If you were just to analyze all of that and be really honest with yourself and cut the bullshit, which is a lot of people don't, you'd realize you have spare money every month. <laughs> and that you, you, and as much as you might need to save a lot more than you're saving right now, the, the whole focus should be on getting started. Because if you just get started, I mean, you save, uh, you save $100 a month, that's 1,200 a year. 1,200 a year is 12,000 over 10 years. If you take $100 a month and every time you get a pay rise, you increase the $100 to the percentage of the pay rise you get, that money's gonna go up each year. And um, when you get a bonus, rather than thinking about what handbag you can buy, okay, maybe think about what investment you can make. Because my wife and I, she can have any handbag she wants. It comes out of cash flow. It comes out of income, okay, that's generated from investment. So we don't have to go out and pace the streets or do a job to earn that money. And being in that position is really, really enlightening and really, really invigorating as well, because you don't have to think, you know, oh, well, hold on a minute, have I got to sacrifice this this month to get that next month, et cetera. It's so similar to health and wellness and um, exercise and eating right. You know, when people are in a place where they don't even have a clue and it seems like such a big job, but if you just start walking and you just say, cut down your sugar, then you're, then you see how that feels and you build and you build. It's so similar do you find like do you I do you find those go together? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's like like people that do work out understand like I do that you need routine. Um, yeah. And routine then everything becomes subconscious. You know, I'm in the gym at five o'clock every morning. People are like, "What are you doing? You're mad!" It's like I I can't exist without it. It's you know I wake up at four thirty. I'm in the gym at five o'clock. That's how my life works. And I know that I'm I'm a better operator. I'm a better business person because of that physical exercise that I do first thing every day. I know that my metabolism stays. You know I'm fifty one, but my metabolism stays moving quicker than most people my age because I'm taking the time to not only physically exercise but feed the right food into me. I could be sat here with a with a you know a packet of cookies right now eating that while I'm on my computer all day, but no, I'm with a packet of carrots. <laughs> you know. It, I, I, I'm, I'm making the right choices, but once you get into the habit of doing it, it becomes in all aspects of your life, something you don't even have to think about. It becomes a normal for you. And that's what everything needs to be. Just a normal. Yeah. I'm 51 as well. And I concur the things you can do at 30, you cannot do at 51 and that works for your money you too. Right? Good for 51. Well done. <laughs> I would never guess that. Yes. Um, we actually had a, uh, someone who wrote Zach Holtz, he's moved, since moved to China, but he was a big part of the um, financial independence movement in Dubai. And he got, he wrote a really interesting piece for us when he got his finances in order and he started managing it all himself. He then got his diet and exercise in order and he lost a ton of weight. And it was like really neat to see that progression. Cause I think one, one can go to the other, you know, like one, you know, you can get healthy and then start thinking, oh, my finances are a bit off. But I liked that he went the other way. I thought that was really, really cool. I think, I think like all of these types of things, what is it, the great analogy is a skydive. Now, when anybody thinks about doing a skydive, you've got to be insane. You've got to be mad. Sounds exciting, but you've got to be mad. Now, if you go to the skydive Dubai, they, they, they give you a few instructions. They strap you in. Uh, they tell you what's going to happen. And then they make you walk out to an airplane. You get in an airplane. You sit on the floor and it circles up and up and up and up and up. And you're thinking, hold on a minute. What am I doing? And the higher it goes, the more worried you get. And then all of a sudden, some bright spark presses a button and opens a door. Well, we all know that doors aren't supposed to be opened on airplanes, right? They're supposed to stay closed. But they open the door and then as the plane tilts a little bit, you can see the ground miles and miles down. You're yeah. like, 
holy mother of God, what have I just done? And some, some guy then straps himself to your back and he says, right, shuffle to the edge and sit on the edge. You're like, are you mad? And so shuffle to the edge and then you've got your hands on the side like this and he's like, right, hold on to this. And you're like, I don't really want to do that, you know? And then all of a sudden he pushes you out, you tumble over, you free fall, that's 30, 40 seconds. And then a couple of minutes down, you hit the ground. The first thing you want to do is do it again. Watch everybody's face on the video. They jump, they're like, it's amazing, it's incredible. They want to do it again. That's because once you've done it, you have certainty. You understand it. There's certainty to it. You know the process. You know what's involved. You know, you know none of it. None of it is the unknown. And I think it's the same with other things that we do. You know, with our health and our finance. Once you eat, I don't know, healthy food for a week, you know, you can do it. it didn't kill you. Okay. Oh, I know. But me and my wife likes to make pasta. You know, it's, it's like you know, what a load of rubbish. You know, if you stick to it for a week, you then get certainty. If you stick to the gym for a week, you get some certainty. And so it's that certainty that can create a very simple normal for us to live by. And whether we start with our money, we start with our diet, we start with our fitness, okay, all of it can come and become normal with some certainty around it. And it's just, you just got to get started. Wow. Is that a good description? I have I went skydiving one time and that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I want to do it, but you know, things get in the way. You've, you've touched on this a little bit. We all have saboteurs in our life. The people who say, why are you working out at five? What I, I used to really listen to these people. And actually when I was younger and when I first moved here, you know, I'd be bringing my green juice and my healthy bowl to work. And everyone would say, Emery, that's disgusting. What do you, and I used to think like, maybe there is something wrong with me, but also why are they making fun of something that I know is healthy? What's your, like, do you still have people like this in your life? How do you deal with them? I think it's important to acknowledge that you will always have people saying, why are you trying to change for the better? Well, people don't like other people to progress, do they? They don't like other people to do well. It's easier for them to criticize the, the, what you're doing, look at it negatively, you know? You don't fit into the norm, you don't fit into the masses. But the reality is there are masses of people drinking a green juice. There are masses of people working out every day. There are masses of people living healthily. They're, you just have the wrong community that you're surrounded by. And remember, you know, you don't create your community if you work for a company, it's there. But if you work at a company and there's 50, 100 people, there will be people that will be aligned with your beliefs and your patterns and your habits and your behaviors. And you just need to spend more time with them. And remember, you know, does, does anybody with a hangover ever feel good does anybody <laughs> overweight ever feel good you know they don't you know nobody looks in the mirror when they're overweight and goes gore you're gorgeous you are okay they don't they look at themselves they have a bit of self-loathing um what they don't want to do is be reminded of that every day and that's why some people that put weight on when they're told by others to lose weight they almost rebel and put more weight on, okay, to, to dig their heels in the ground just to fight for that justification to themselves because it's easier to argue it than it is to accept you're wrong, isn't it? Yeah, I'm curious. This is, I didn't tell you about this question, but I'm curious with you having said that, how you feel about the body acceptance movement. Are you familiar with it? Sort of this. Tell me more. Well, the body acceptance movement is just like, I'm going to accept myself, health at any size, accept myself at any size. So there's a whole bunch of influencers and people, no. <laughs> What do you think? It's a load of, I'm gonna swear, I'm gonna swear here. You can delete this or delete this. That's a load of bollocks, okay? Accepting yourself being fat, okay? Is accepting you're gonna have greater health risks as you get older, okay? That, that, there's no logic in that, okay? I'm not suggesting everyone has to be, you know, thin like this and with a 12% body fat percentage, of course not. But the reality is if you're overweight and you're regarded as obese by a doctor, 
that's going to create problems for you. Diabetes could be one of them. You know, your heart's got to work harder to pump the blood around your body. You're at greater risk of other diseases and you know strokes and stuff like that. When we look at, you know, when we look at a lot of illnesses, they're caused because of the bad habits we have. You know, people that, 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 you know, also the people that are stick thin, that don't eat anything. You know, there's an argument that says that, you know, those people aren't doing much for their own health either. You know, we see many people that have gone on to get bulimia and and, and other illnesses. What's, what's the other one? What's bulimia, bulimia and... Um, uh, anorexia, nervosa. Anorexia. Yeah, there's also one, a new one called orthorexia that's about focus on really clean eating. Um, an obsessive focus on eating very clean, like no chemicals, no process. I mean, look, I went, I went, I went to France last week. France has amazing food. What it has amazing is bread. It's got the best bread in the whole wide world. I love French bread. I was there for nine days, eight, eight or nine days. I ate at least two baguettes a day, every single day. I love the stuff, you know, dipping it in cheese, dipping it in jam, you know, whatever it was, but it, it, good. I can go and enjoy. I spoke to my personal trainer. I'm like, can I cheese? Like I encourage it. He's like, go enjoy. And so, you know, it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice. I think it's just the thing. People think they're giving up something. It's like, you're not giving up something. Yes, you know, if, you ate, if I ate baguettes every day, okay, every day and just ate baguettes, I'd be as big as a house, okay? I eat healthily for most of the week and I treat myself at the weekend. And so there has to be balance. But people that think being fat, you know, you know and, and I've, I've experienced this in my own family, you know, one of my daughters was carrying a lot of weight. Now I was encouraging her to do the right thing. You know, she, all she did is rebelled and pushed back against it. But then when she realized the damage she was causing to herself, she lost 20 kilos in three months and she's now looking fabulous and she's very pleased with herself and she's pleased with herself and I'm pleased that she's pleased. The problem I think society has is that they've got a very um, un, unkind way of trying to educate, help or advise people that are overweight. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's just better, nicer, kinder ways. If you start telling people that they're fat, they're not gonna respond kindly to that. You know, there was a lady, not last year, I think it was the year before, she won Slimmer of the Year in the UK. And she said her turning point was when she was sat outside a McDonald's eating a Big Mac with a window down and two kids rode by, by on their you know, mountain bikes and threw their burgers and fries through the window and go, get that down, you're fat, so too. You know, and that was shocking for her in that moment. But she said it was, it took me that to realize what I was doing to myself. But you know, I don't think everyone needs that shock. I need, I think everyone that's carrying in this example too much weight needs to go for a medical every year and let the professionals tell them their situation. You know, if, because, because Spencer who sits and produces content on social media isn't the guy to advise people on what they need to do to lose weight. He really isn't. Um, Spencer's the guy that encourages positivity and motivation, gets people to get out of themselves and start pushing themselves a bit more than they normally would in whatever it is that they do. Okay. Um, now, just back to finances. Where where are you at on crypto? Because everyone's dabbling and dibbling and dabbling, and some people are <sighs> buying too much that they can't afford. Where where do you where do you see it in the UAE? Oh, and, and also there's a lot of government, you know, talk about government regulation and should we be doing this and then talk about governments introducing their own digital currencies. Um, so the whole schmozzle. <laughs> so so I've, I've spent a lot of time interviewing crypto experts on my podcast. Today's release is with a guy called Meta Covin and Meta Covin literally 
get, got into Bitcoin when he first started saving a bit of money many years ago. He's a billionaire now. He recently spent $69 million on a piece of NFT, non-fungible token art. Um, and he's a firm believer. But he gives really good advice, just like other people that talk to me about cryptos on my show do. They say you should never invest in something you don't understand. And so what you've seen is people getting into crypto since the middle of last year, thinking it's the next get rich quick scheme. I'm going to make a load of money in crypto. But they don't even know what they're buying. They don't understand what the difference between the basics are. You know, what's the difference between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ripple, for example? What's Cardano? You know, they're, 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 they're shouting across the rooftops. Oh, I've, I've bought Pancake Swap. You know, it's like, what's Pancake Swap? Well, you know, my, uh, I've got a, an account and I can buy through Ethereum Pancake Swap. Okay, well, what's Ethereum? You know, and so what's really important to understand is that people always jump on. It's like diets. There's three things in life people want. Okay, these are the three things people want. If you sell these three things, people will buy them. Okay, lose weight fast. Okay, there's loads of people who want to do that. Okay, get rich quick. Want to do that. Okay, and get a million followers quick. Okay, those are three things that people want nowadays. Okay, if you can service that, then you've got yourself, a, you know, you've got yourself a thriving business. And so you see, you know, you know, we're the same age. We, we, we saw the Atkins diet be this movement, you know, the California diet, the Atkins diet, the this, the that diet. It was kind of like the, the Cambridge diet and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was the, the fads of diets that, you know, you know, suggested people should go down a certain path. And, you know, best-selling book at Christmas would be the Cambridge diet, you know, for goodness sake. The cabbage soup diet. Yeah. That's the one I remember, the cabbage yeah, soup. There you go. soup. There's another one. There's a million of them. I'm sure your <laughs> listeners can sit out right now. No, this diet, that diet. But um, I, th I think that, that, that with crypto, people are buying it as a get-rich-quick scheme. They don't understand it because they're, what they're doing is seeing the performance. And then what's happened recently is that crypto's gone from, or Bitcoin's gone from 60 down to 30-something, and people have lost their shirt. Well, anyone that understands Bitcoin knows that that's not a bad thing. Also, anyone that understands Bitcoin that's been invested for a long time hasn't lost any money at all. Every market goes up and down along the way. It's just people that invest at the top when it goes down get caught out. And that's called momentum investing. That's when people see the performance, see the growth, see the success and go, ooh, I'm going to have a piece of that right now. And so they get in, okay, too late because they haven't been watching it, monitoring it, learning about it beforehand. So I would advise anybody that doesn't understand what cryptocurrencies are and do not to invest in cryptos under any circumstances. Okay. If you don't understand them, don't. You know, now you can learn about them. There's, you know, listen to a couple of my podcasts or listen to any podcasts on crypto. Read books on it. Read, watch videos on YouTube. Learn how the blockchain works. Now, when we think forward, is it going to be a good investment? Well, anybody that's holding on to any of the three major um, uh, cryptocurrencies right now, remember they're not currencies, but anyone holding on to Bitcoin, Ethereum and uh, Ripple, I would argue um, if you leave it there for the next 10 years, you won't be in a bad place. If you're holding on to these other altcoins, as they're called, then I think, you know, you're playing a risky game. The governments are going to create digital currencies. There's no question about that because, you know, businesses are accepting cryptocurrencies as payments for things. So the, the, the banks and governments and organizations don't want to miss out on the control of the money flow. So they'll have to create it. What it's going to look like in 10 years, I don't know. But please don't put any money into stuff you don't understand. And if you see Bitcoin go down to 30,000 from 60 and someone's going, it's a great time to invest in crypto. Okay, tell him to shut up and do some research. All right, because that's the best thing you can do. And, you know, you're investing, investing. But what about if people who are saying, but Spencer, 
everyone says the stock market is so overvalued and the housing markets are so overvalued. What, like what to do, what to do about that? If you, it's coming at you from all directions. It's overvalued compared to what? <laughs> you, 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 have to, you, know, you have to look at these things. You have to say you know, it's overvalued compared to what? It's overvalued to where it was. You know, the stock market is high compared to where it was two years ago. Okay, great. So, so what? Right. You know, all of the markets, if you look at history, that you know, the stock markets over the long term, they all have peaks and troughs. We had 2008, everything fell off a cliff. OK, mm -hmm. but now it's much higher than in 2008. So had you had you not sold in 2008, you'd be better off. You know, people can talk about market timing, getting in at the right time. But most retail investors haven't got a clue. All right. They listen to a bloke in the pub and they're like, oh, you should do this. You know, this one's going to fly. So for me, really analyze it when you compare the, you know, the price per square foot now compared to where it was three years ago in Dubai, for example. Yes, it's up compared to where it was five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, compared to where it was in 2005. Is it up? Okay, so stop trying to second guess it. If you're going to buy property as, as an investment, you've got two things to consider. Number one is rental income. And number two is capital appreciation. And over the long term, you'll get capital appreciation. If you're investing for the next three years in property, it's probably not the smartest thing to do. You need to take a five, 10 year window to be sensible. Then you need to think about rental income. That rental income is from tenants that pay the rent consistently every single month or some form of structure around that. If you're going to invest in, you know, if you're going to invest in the stock market, you know, you take someone like Warren Buffett. He's the, one of the world's greatest investors. He'll tell you to stay away from Bitcoin because he doesn't focus on it. He focuses on blue chip companies on the stock market. If you want to invest in tech startups, but again, Warren Buffett's not your guy, but Mark Zuckerberg doesn't invest in blue chip companies. Mark Zuckerberg invests in startups. Mm -hmm. And so there are lots of different investment opportunities that exist out there. Learn them, understand them, and, and don't jump into anything without being really thorough on your research. If you choose a financial advisor to help you, make sure they're qualified at what they do. But also remember, you're no guru. Whenever it comes to money, you're no guru. So a balanced approach is what everyone should have. They should have some exposure to fixed income, some exposure to cash, some exposure to real estate, some to equities, some to commodities. You know, where's oil right now? Is oil up? Is it down? Where, you know, if we have a balanced approach to silver, to gold, to platinum, okay, will we get an overall balanced portfolio that outperforms the bank? Absolutely. Okay. Great. Uh, last question. You have interviewed some very big names who've passed through Dubai. I remember you interviewed Tony Robbins, lots like that. Who, who sort of blew you away? Is, is there a nugget or two or you could leave from, from all those interviews you've done? <laughs> Just yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. My podcast changed because it started off as a podcast about interviewing uh, either motivational speakers, successful business people or entrepreneurs. And I went down the journey of doing that for about a year. And it was great. You know, Tony, when he came to the studio was, was kinder than anyone could ever imagine. You know, he came into the studio, we filmed, but he then stayed for a further two hours with us and the other people in the studio and unusually we had a few more people than normal in the studio that day and and he was just wonderful to spend time with he was kind he was listening he was answering questions he was making all kinds of little videos for people's social media with them um, and so he was he was epic and I was able to leverage a lot of big names on the back of him right but my, my podcast shifted when I, I just by chance decided to interview a guy called Nick Yaris. And he was on death row for 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. 
And when he told his story about what happened and what life was like, we were live as we filmed it as well. So it wasn't just a recording. He, he, he moved me and everybody else. Our jaws were just sat wide open. He was a great storyteller. And he, he, he really had us sitting on the edge of our seats as he told us. You know, three years, he wasn't allowed to speak a word. He was in silence for three years in prison. The only noises he heard were people's body noises, you know, burps and farts and stuff. Okay. And, and keys. There was no, there, no one was allowed to speak. And in, he said in, in his first 10 years, he, he didn't have physical contact with another human being. And so when you hear that kind of stuff, it's really, really moving. And so it started to get me thinking about real stories of real people going through real experiences. And so the podcast then shifted. And then I, I interviewed many amazing people, but I had a lady called Annika Lucas, who was um, six years old from Belgium. She was sold into a paedophile ring by her mother uh, of, of wealthy politicians and business people. And where she was raped between the age of six and 11 every single weekend. And when you hear people's stories like that, all of a sudden, lots of business related stuff and motivational stuff becomes so insignificant. Um, and then, and again, this is the power of social media. Then I interviewed a guy called Leon Logothetis and Leon has a TV show on Netflix. It's now on, uh, now on Discovery Plus called The Kindness Diaries, where he, he traveled around the world on a motorbike and relied on the kindness of others. So no, no, he couldn't accept money, he could accept fuel, he could accept shelter, and he accept food, no money. But when he saw an extreme act of kindness, he repaid it with a life-changing gift. And it was just a beautiful TV show, massive hit on Netflix, two series, one around the world, one from Alaska all the way down to the southern part of Chile. Um, and listening to him and the stories that he had um, really, really inspired me. And at the end of the podcast, I said to him, Leon, I'm really jealous because you've got a TV show and I haven't. And as I'm looking at you, he looked straight back at me and said, why not? And I was like, blah, 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 blah. And he's, he's like tell me, why not? I was like, well, you know, you know, and I just had a mouthful of excuses. He said, if you really want a TV show, have a TV show. And I was like, uh, uh, and I didn't know where to start. He said, I'll give you an hour of my time every week for the next six weeks and I'll brainstorm with you. If we can come up with an idea, I'll put you in touch with the people that I know. Anyway, so we did that every Saturday morning for an hour. We brainstormed, he was very kind with his time. And after those six episodes, after four episodes, we came up with the final idea. And then he brought his old production team onto a Zoom and said to the guys, this is Spencer. Um, I think he can make a great show. Um, let's talk about it. We started filming that show last month and we start again filming in September, uh, our own TV show for Netflix. And that has come from, from having a podcast. And so, and also having a podcast and focusing on humanity. You know, I've, I've gone into stories, you know, whether it's cyber crime, whether it's, you know, there was a, a girl that I interviewed that on New Year's Day in the States, she had lunch with her mum and dad. She'd been talking to a boy for six months on, on social media. She decided to go and meet him for the first time. He was a 39 year old man. He kidnapped her, he tortured her and he live streamed it as he did it for four days until she was found. Um, when you hear stories like that, it really does move you, you know. Um, I've spoken to Homeland Security at detail about what goes on with human trafficking. I've spoken to the CIA, um, what is going on with uh, uh, sex trafficking and stuff like that. I've spoken to organizations and people that are at the forefront of things. There was a, there was a British journalist that went undercover in Bombay for six months in a, in a, in a, um, uh, a red light district. And she tells me the stories about kids, the kids that join the red light districts and the prostitution movement over there um, are, are going in as two year olds. 
um, and they're being imprisoned in there. So when you hear stories like that, it makes you want to do do something good. It makes you want to try and help in some way, make a difference in some way, no matter how small. Um, and and so that's where the podcast has taken me. And so I've been very grateful to have some really famous guys. I've made great friends with people. You know, Tony's on my phone. If I want to WhatsApp Tony, I can WhatsApp him. Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, all these people here on my phone. If I want to, if I want to WhatsApp him, I can. Um, there's, there's, there's great successful business people here. There's Emirati business people that have been really kind to me as well. Um, and it's opened up a network of people to me that I wouldn't have had before. And I know with the, the, the aspects of humanity that matters to me, um, I know that when I reach out to these people, I know that it's not going to be difficult. If they can't help me themselves, they'll point me in the right direction. And so that's been some of the big value I've had. And, and I've, you know, I love my podcast more than anything else I do. I love it. And so when people say to me, can you come on my show? You know, a lot of people will say, well, how many downloads have you got? And you know, how much interest have you got? No, no, no. I don't care. Okay. The fact that you're doing a podcast, I, I really respect the fact because it takes time and effort and energy and you're sharing content with people that's valuable for others to listen to. And so anyone that says, please come on my podcast, I'm like, yes, as long as, as, long as I've got time, I'll do it. I'll jump in and I'll help because some, somebody said that to me once somebody at the beginning went, okay, I'll help you. And that mattered to me. And I'm very grateful for that. That's amazing. I appreciate it. I was surprised when you just said, yes, I thought it was going to be a whole rigmarole I did you know I thought he said you know he's a successful guy we're gonna have a whole thing no you, you said and, yeah, I, I have it. I, and you know I have it with people I ask people to come on the show and they're like how many downloads I'm like what does it matter right who do you think you are that thinks you're bigger than than reaching my audience too if I've got an audience of 10 people and one of those become a client of yours then that surely has got to be worth an hour of your time and if it isn't then your head's too big it's such a lovely medium, right? Like just talking to people. It's like a dream for me. I'm, you know, I've been a journalist for 25 years. If you told me that I would be able to do part of this as my work, I would have said, what, you know, like, I'm just going to be able to talk to people and have people listen. Well, um, good for you for shining the, the light on human trafficking. It's such an, un, and sex trafficking. It's such an unpalatable topic. And so many people don't want to know, right. That this is happening, that, that, that I'm really um, happy for you. And congratulations on the Netflix show. Yeah, let's hope that comes together in time. We've got, we've got some challenges because of Corona, we're supposed to be filming in Bangladesh, supposed to be filming in Nepal and stuff. And so that's been delayed. Do you know in America, half a million children are trafficked every single year in America? That's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. And one thing I think, you know, with the whole COVID thing that has sparked these massive conspiracy theories. I think one of the disservices, I don't know, I want to know what you think about this. One of the disservices is that it's all wrapped up in this notion of Hollywood and a pedophile ring. And so that just makes people think it's super crazy. Like, I feel like co the COVID conspiracies have done a disservice to whatever attention. What do you think? Look, there's, there has always been, you're a journalist, you'll know this, there's always been news about stuff. If it's not Harvey Weinstein, then it's somebody else. You know, my, you know, before that, we had the Michael Jackson thing for years, didn't we? You know, my, what's he doing at Neverland? So there's always been, always been these stories um, around this. For me, the, the, the people think about Colombia and drug dealing and stuff like that and the cocaine industry and Pablo Escobar. And they think of that as a big industry and it, you know, the people it gets detention but human beings aren't drugs human beings can be sold over and over and over again and that is taking place 
in your city, wherever you live, right this very minute. It's literally taking place. We're going to film in some of the wealthiest parts of America to demonstrate that slavery is taking place and human trafficking is taking place. 78% statistics, these are 78% of people working in strip clubs are trafficked. <sighs> okay. Over 80% of people working in porn okay, are trafficked. This is this is not one in ten. This is nearly all of them. Nearly all of them. So if you watch porn, you're watching people that are trafficked. If you go to strip clubs, okay, you're feeding the people that are trafficking those young ladies or girls in many examples. Okay, and don't think it's only girls because it happens to boys terribly as well too. Um, but this is this is factual evidence, statistical evidence that goes on. Whatever brings attention to it. You know, we have the famous Jimmy, Jimmy Savile in the UK. We, we have the, you know, the, the um, who's the, not, not the, Ghislaine Maxwell in recent times um, with Jeffrey, what's his name? Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. Epstein uh, whatever shit gets that into our mind, gets that into our attention to get to think about it just for five minutes, just to have a little dose of reality for five minutes, no matter how glamorized it is, at least it's getting a little bit of attention. We, we are too busy, you know, ignoring what's going on around us. We're too busy living in our lives, in our bubble, holding the world accountable for everything that's going wrong, but thinking that our own lives are, are perfect. It, it, it's taking place all around us and there's a lot more that we can do. And so my, my, my show is going to focus on all of these things um, and getting people to understand what you can do. And it's not just human trafficking. It's not just child slave labor. You've got, you've got women that aren't allowed to work in some countries, women that aren't allowed to be educated in some countries. That's wrong. United Nations has got uh, 17 global sustainability goals all set up to be achieved by 2030. There are companies out there that have a lot of money and they can help. We just need to find ways of putting these problems together with people that can bring solutions. And whether it's money or resources or, or uh, education, we need to bring these together. And the more people that talk about it, and if you have a five-minute conversation in the next 12 months over a glass of wine with somebody, that's good, okay? Just that's good, because if everyone had a five-minute conversation once a year, there'd be a lot of people having a conversation about it. It's worth pointing out that it's here in the UAE too. There are government-funded shelters for victims of human trafficking in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and I think other Emirates. I've been to Iwa, the shelter in Abu Dhabi. They opened up a, a, a part for boys. So as you say, it's it's boys and girls. So it's happening right here too. And the government's, um, you know, looking at it. So. You've, got to, you've got to remember a few things. You know, we, we criticize the Mexico thing with these, these, these kids being kept over the borders. But, you know, go to Mexico and compare Mexico to L.A., Okay, they're two different worlds. Go compare Mexico to Phoenix. They're two different worlds. And so understanding, you know, look at look at where we are here in the world. We're in this little oasis, this little island, this little beautiful place with shiny buildings and whatnot that is surrounded by some of the poorest countries in the world, surrounded by impoverished poverty, malnutrition, lack of education. Think about East Africa. Think about West Africa. Think about North Africa. Think about other Middle Eastern countries. We've got war-torn places. We've got all the stuff that's gone on in Syria, all the stuff that's gone on in Tunisia and, and, and so on and so forth. What's been going on, you know, in, in, uh, to the various people, the various tribes in various countries that are just trying to live their lives quietly. Look at what the Taliban have been involved in. It is on our doorstep. It literally is on our doorstep. So 
you know, we, we should we should understand that, you know, this is going to be, because we've got such a fantastic set of airports and, and transport networks here, it's going to be a place that people are moved from. And also people that come and settle here, we've heard the stories of the Filipino maid or the Sudanese maid that's been imprisoned by her boss, you know, thinking it's acceptable for them to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and, you know, and, and, and give sexual favours. You know, this is just this is just not on. You know, I've got two daughters; they're eight, 19 and 21. I'm lucky that they're out of that age now of being small kids. But even so, it's just like you just think about your own children. You know, would you ever want that to happen to your own? And if you wouldn't, then maybe you should just you know love thy neighbour and, and be aware of what's going on. You know, when I was a kid, neighbourhood watch used to be nosy neighbours. But <laughs> you know what? I think the old lady that pulls the curtains and looks through the window, checking what's going on. I think she's not she's not a bad person. You know. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to talk to you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Thank you very much for inviting me. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.